0: Impact of Influence, The Murdoch Family Murders. This is the unfolding story of a powerful South Carolina family, the mysterious deaths they are linked to, and our quest to bring you the truth. truth. Hello, friend. Matt Harris, Seton Tucker, producer Dwayne, all together. And we're going to be talking about in this episode, the Corey Fleming sentencing and more on the Alec Murdoch quest for a new trial due to possible jury tampering. We'll talk about that. We've got stuff on Russell Lafitte to get to. we got Alec Murdoch pleading guilty on federal charges of financial crimes. All that is coming up. But uh, first, impact of influence on Facebook. Go comment and reach out to us. Love your comments. Good, bad, indifferent. We will take them. And we're going to begin with the latest Murdoch doc, season two of the Netflix documentary, and there's three episodes in this season. It's called Murdoch Murders, a Southern Scandal. Uh, okay, so we, all, we both watched it, of course, and we're, let's, let's uh, just discuss some of the things we saw in this, some of the questions we have, some of the interesting things.
1: Let's start off with this obituary of Libby Murdoch. She was the wife of Randolph Murdoch and the grandmother of Paul Murdoch. Morgan, Paul's former girlfriend, tells a story that sh- she was told by Maggie Murdoch, and she says that this obituary was placed because Libby asked for a divorce.
0: So Libby asked Randolph for a divorce.
1: And then Randolph places an obituary.
0: Oh, like saying,
1: you know. A warning sign. You, warning. I mean, that was the implication, that it was a warning sign, and Morgan felt like, Maggie was giving her a warning that this was the kind of family that you're marrying into.
0: Because remember, we knew about this obituary.
1: But oh, we what? heard the opposite. Yes, we did. We heard that Libby was mad at Randolph yep. for one reason or another, and she placed it.
0: That's what we were told. Yeah. Multiple times by multiple people.
1: But uh, now I've heard that both sides, and yeah. now it's folklore at this point, but I, is, I thought that is. that was kind of there interesting.
0: There's a fake obit anyway, which is it weird. It was
1: fake. It was not true. She was alive.
0: What else does you want to highlight?
1: Well, Blanca was a star. Blanca was the housekeeper for the Murdoch family, and we heard a lot from her. A few things that she said stuck out to me. One, she said that, you know, she had prepared dinner for the family the night of the murders. And she said that usually after dinner, Maggie would reach out to her and say, "Oh, we ate dinner. Thank you it was good." that sort of thing." And she never heard from Maggie that night. I thought that was interesting. Also, at the end of the documentary was asked if she thought anybody else was involved in the murders or, or the cleanup mm-hmm. or the murders, and she was very uncomfortable, and she did not want to answer that question.
0: That was a theme in the, in the third episode. was, I guess it's about basically how the episode ended, where they, they talked to um, Anthony Cook, who doesn't believe that Alec did it, at least alone. Eddie Smith I don't think he bought into it really he said that uh, he said he had heard the theory that he had done it and he's like Eddie's like I did of course I didn't do it
1: Morgan says she thought it was premeditated as in Alec did it and and she thought it was premeditated
0: yeah. Well if Alec did it that's the thing that's always stuck out to me is because of the missing guns right prosecution said that it was these missing guns that would mean premeditated that Ellick would have taken them months ago and kept them around in case he needed to knock people off. And that's always been a weird thing to me.
1: Yeah. We also hear from Becky Hill. Yes. The court reporter. And she says that she thinks that he pulled the trigger, but he had help.
0: You know what? Speaking of Becky Hill on that, I thought it was interesting her talking about Paul. I think was at Shemp Creek where they were when he was caught with booze on the boat and he was driving the boat. Yeah, but
1: but th- if you look back at that, there were t- he received a ticket, but yep. I think it was from improper equipment. Yep.
0: But she's they all said it was booze on the boat in this documentary. And
1: he may have had booze on the boat as well.
0: And they called Alec for help. He said he would take care of it, remember? They, that's what they said. Becky was talking about how that put p- more pressure on Alec and caused him to have these real issues. Because of Paul, do you know they kind of, I don't know, flaunting is the right word.
1: I don't know, but it just seemed like a minor ticket, so I'm not so sure. And, and about that's what I'm not
0: sure. And that's when I also thought it was weird that Becky, you know, Becky's super super nice to us, but I thought it was strange that she was giving this theory as to why Alec might have extra pressure on him. I, I thought that was odd that she spoke out about it. What else did you see on there that uh, we want to talk about?
1: We do have to talk about the lady who attended the auction of the. Contents of Moselle, of I mean, you know, we talked about this in one episode. They had all these lamps, turtle lamps, and all these things. This lady bought a vacuum cleaner, and she also bought the camera where there were images on the camera. Mm-hmm. The vacuum cleaner, she opens up, and she hadn't opened the contents of the bag, but she says it was full. It was really super. Well, what was weird about
0: it? I thought they were going to lead into her opening it. She never opens I mean,
1: it. She doesn't open it. Maybe she was. She needs to get a professional to want to. The contents but she also they showed the photos that were on this camera which i don't know i felt that was slightly untasteful because I mean, i'm sure she sold these photos or licensed these photos to the netflix people and i don't know if you received a camera of someone who had died in their personal family photos i would think you would want to return that camera to the family
0: i had thought i had heard that she did but they were showing the photos But remember, I originally i I believed that I had heard somewhere along the line she had contacted the family to give it back. But I guess not.
1: I don't think so. Apparently
0: not. If that picture, well, well, yeah, it was still. I mean, and they were nothing like risque or anything. They were just uh, pictures of a very happy family. At least they were at that time that those pictures were taken.
1: And her title in the documentary was Murdoch enthusiast. Yeah, yeah,
0: I did catch that. I did catch that. Also, they talked to Cousin Eddie, which is the first time you really yeah. see a long interview with him.
1: Episode three with Cousin Eddie was kind of blowing my mind. First, I want to point out, did you notice that they were interviewing him in a pharmacy?
0: I did not notice that. <laughs> it
1: was so bizarre. Are you serious? It was kind of blurred out in the background, but I was like, oh my gosh, they're interviewing him in a pharmacy.
0: And also, I, I didn't buy for a minute when Cousin Eddie at some point goes, I said, if it's money laundering, I'm not doing it. Like, Really? You you knew it was a ton of money, and you really really significant checks. What was the total? Was that a couple million?
1: And it, he says he's tr- he said he was trying to get out of it. I I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. yeah. He said he was that. trying to get
0: out of it, but he cashed it. There was a check just a few days before the murders. Yeah. And, and so when was he going to get out of it? And also, really, that was when you didn't think something fishy was going on that you're doing all these things. You're not a, you're not a fool, Eddie. And then you're like, is it money laundering? And Alex said no. So I'm like, okay, I'll keep doing it. <laughs>
1: And then one time he was delivering something to a law office in Beaufort and he heard the bottle of the pills. pills rattling around. I mean there were a lot of implications about some drug connections. Oh.
0: You think during the trial the amount of pills that Alec said he took were just a- a- astonishing and all the amount of money that uh, Eddie was uh, cashing for for him uh, for Alec is it, it was insane.
1: Well, we need to talk about what Eddie says about the day of the Labor Day shooting fiasco. He says that he gets called by Alec Murdoch and you know, meet me here. He goes and he says, Alec is like hiding behind a window shade and with the window pulled up kind of like a box. He's kind of looking out the window and he says, you know, why are you looking out? And he says, I'm being watched by SLED. And and he said, because of what happened or something along these lines. And then Eddie asks him what happens. He says, things just got off effed up.
0: Yeah. It seemed to me apparent that Eddie's not telling everything.
1: A- and he says that, I mean,
0: it seems like an okay guy, I guess.
1: Why Alec is asking Eddie to shoot him. He says it's because they're going to be able to prove that I was responsible for Maggie and Paul.
0: Yeah. He feels it was all set up. Yeah. Like, you know, and that made me think about something in the trial that I was surprised that, the Defense never brought up again. When the kennel guy was testifying, do you remember this? He said that Alec had called him to put down one of the dogs because Alec couldn't bring himself to do it. And if I'm the defense, I'm pointing out this guy couldn't shoot a dog that was sick and dying. How do you expect him to shoot his wife and child? I mean, it doesn't, there's no logic to that if you're a murder, we murderer, but You know what I mean? It's something, because it came up. Like, why would it? I don't remember
1: that part, but that is really
0: interesting. When uh, when the defense was talking to them, like, do you remember the time? And they made a specific point of bringing up this fact that Alec couldn't shoot one of the dogs. And yet they never highlighted it again. Uh, I thought they were going to use that. What else did you see of note in the Netflix special?
1: Um, You know, just, it, it did seem like people were rare. Becky Hill felt like Buster and Paul knew about this drug addiction. They talk about drugs being mm-hmm. hidden around the house, bags of drugs under the bed, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, you hear Blanca talk about that this drugs being everywhere as well. You know and-
0: what I, I, I don't like when I hear it from anybody, and Kinsey seems like a good guy, as far as I can tell, and he's interesting, and, but he was talking about, they're like, a. Maggie, or Paul must have been shot first because if Maggie was shot first, Paul would have seen it and Paul would have fought. Yeah. But what makes us think that? There's no reason to think that. Is he an MMA guy or is he... Oh, he what? is
1: an expert. He has been trained in this sort of thing.
0: No, but not like whether you'd fight or not because no one knows what how a person is going to react to a stressful situation. There's fight, flight, and freeze. What makes us think that Paul is going to start fighting a guy who has a gun? So to, to use that as a theory as to Why Paul had to be shot first doesn't hold up to me.
1: I don't know. I kind of disagree with you because I think that Kinsey is an expert who's done this for a very long time. So in his expert opinion, he thinks that is what most likely happened.
0: Well, no, I I can say why he uses science to back up what happened, but that's not science to say, I think Paul would have fought because we never know what people, like, I don't like it when they say, you know, oh, you hear the way they acted on that 911 call? People wouldn't normally do that. You hear the way they uh, acted after that. Like, all that stuff. We've watched enough, you know, it's 48 supp- hours and, and datelines to know that you never know how people are going to react to anything. It's
1: just supposition.
0: Yeah, and I, I, don't, I don't think he should be doing it. He should stick to science. <laughs> I, I, I just but don't he, like it when anybody does it. There
1: are so many unanswered questions. I think you have to make an educated guess.
0: First of all, I don't think—I mean, it, just enough to say he had to have been shot first because he was in the shed— If Maggie was fired first, he would have come out of the shed, right? That would have been enough.
1: I want to round back up to Eddie Smith just for one last time. Is They did ask him if he helped kill Maggie and Paul, and he answers no. But one thing that they did not ask him was if he helped in any sort of cleanup.
0: True, true. Uh, I think think it's very possible Eddie would have rolled if he had anything to do with anything. Good point. Again, we're speculating just like Kenzie was, and I called him out on it. So what (laughs) do I know? (laughs) Crazy person. All right. Uh, Let's uh, go to some of the recent things that have happened involving uh, Elik and Corey Fleming and Russell Lafitte. But let's start with some of the things that are shaken out with the defense team and saying that the clerk of court, Becky Hill, somehow involved in jury tampering. Let's talk about the latest in that.
1: Well, we discussed this in a previous episode that Alec Murdoch's defense team requested an evidentiary hearing. This request was based on allegations of jury tampering by clerk of court, Becky Hill. The defense is asking for a delay in appeal, and they want this evidentiary hearing to determine if these allegations are true.
0: Okay, let's uh, refresh you a little bit. The Defense claims that Becky Hill, Ms. Hill, had improper private communications with jurors Allegations include she told jurors not to believe Murdoch's testimony or any evidence presented by the defense and pressured jury the jury to reach a quick verdict. And the state has filed a short response. In the response, it notes that SLED's investigation has revealed some, quote, factual disputes, which is an interesting term. Why not just say... They've turned up some things that were not true.
1: Right, but they didn't elaborate on those. No. Um. But Matt, you spoke with Attorney Joe McCullough, who represents several of the jurors, mm-hmm. and what did he tell you?
0: He says, as of, this was last night, as of last night, his clients have not been interviewed by any agency, any state agency, any investigative agency, and that strikes me as super odd.
1: Me too, and one of his clients is... The juror who submitted an affidavit, the egg juror, who seems to be the one in the news a lot. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would think that she would be the first person that Sled would want to interview.
0: Because we have heard that there is an investigation going on, but maybe there isn't. Maybe they're not even doing an investigation until it's you know, kind of forced upon them.
1: Well, in the right? state's response, they say Sled is investigating.
0: That's true. That's true. That's right. They did because they said the factual disputes. Because um, we had heard from Will Folks and others that Sled has been down there talking to people involved with this.
1: And we hear Eric Bland also represents four of the jurors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I believe he's indicated that they have uh, you know, spoken to law enforcement.
0: So why is Joe's people not? That is interesting.
1: I don't know. And also, why do all these jurors need representation? I'm actually really confused about that.
0: Well... Joe explained it in one of his court TV appearances, which was, his explanation was, he's like, whenever you have law enforcement or someone along those lines talk to you, it's good to have representation. It's good to have someone there because you don't know what you might be intimidated into saying uh, or say that might... Not be accurate. It's just good to have. That was his. That was his take on it.
1: I mean, I think that's what any lawyer would tell you. Right. It's always good to have a lawyer. But I mean, it's just being a jury. You're you're not doing anything wrong. I just don't totally get it.
0: Yeah, but you don't have to any, do anything wrong to make sure that you're covered.
1: Well, that's and, true. Because
0: what if you say something that potentially incriminates you, but you really didn't mean it? You, know, you get tripped up. We I mean, get false confessions all the time, right? Uh, so that that that's basically why. And originally, the way I understood it, and I have not talked to Joe directly about this particularly. Remember when the juror was dismissed, she got Joe to represent her, and that was it. I, I the, the take I had at the time was it was because she was getting inundated with media requests and. This way she could say, talk to my lawyer. lawyer. Yeah. Would be I, like an agent or a presser? Or
1: I actually got an email m- amongst a press email saying, hey, don't try to reach my client. Reach me. So I took it the same way.
0: And that, and that could be also why you need an attorney. So you can always say, I'm not doing interviews. Everything goes through uh, whoever's representing them.
1: Well, in the state's response, it says that there may well be a suspension of the appeal and a remand for an evidentiary hearing and that it might be necessary to resolve some of the serious claims raised. Um, And it also mentions this technical problem. According to the state, an affidavit by the accused should be included in this type of motion, and it was not. Uh, So I think they have 10 days to submit this.
0: And the Uh, accused... Is Alec Murdoch. Yeah, I want to point that out, yes.
1: But we did receive a supplement to... The defense motion, and in the supplement, they have an attached an affidavit from a person named Timothy Stone. But still not from Alec, right? Not from Alec. We're still waiting on that. Uh, the defense is alleging that clerk of court, Rebecca Hill, invented a story about a Facebook post to a juror she believed might not vote guilty.
0: We wanted to have that juror removed because of this post.
1: Right. right. And the juror, I guess, is the egg lady, mm-hmm. egg juror. And according to this filing, Ms. Hill reported to Judge Newman that she saw a Facebook post on a Facebook group called Walterboro Word of Mouth uh, that was written by the juror's ex-husband. This original post cannot be found on the group, and the egg lady's ex said he never made any such post. In the supplemental motion, we have an affidavit filed by Timothy Stone of Georgia. And now he has a similar name to the egg juror's ex-husband. And in this affidavit, he says he was never a member of this Walter word-of-mouth Facebook group and that he has never been married to the egg juror. Um, he said that he did have an apology post written on his first personal Facebook page, um, which had nothing to do with the Murdoch case. Um, I guess this post was something to do with he, he was intoxicated and he said something bad about his wife's family member, and he removed the post the next day saying that he was intoxicated and m- mean to make this post.
0: Right, and apologized for it. And so the implication is there that this Timothy Stone posts something, somehow it gets to Becky Hill, she takes it to Judge Newman, but it's not any relation to Egg Lady.
1: Or Murdoch Case. Or Murdoch
0: Case at all. At all. And so then it's part of the reason is what the defense is saying, the juror gets kicked off.
1: Well, that's what they're saying. But at the trial, the egg juror said, am I being removed for something my ex-husband said? Right. And Judge Newman says no.
0: Yep, I remember, yep, very clearly remember that. Because that had been the, the buzz all throughout the, you know, all of us that were sitting out there, you'd get these rumors flying around, and one of them was about that.
1: There's also a question of how did they come upon this Email from somebody who appears to be totally unrelated to or the Facebook case. post, you mean, Yeah, the yeah. Facebook post. How did they come upon this Facebook post at all in the first place?
0: Someone had to have sent it to Becky Hill or somebody that knew Becky Hill, right? Because if it's not on anything to do with Murdoch, it's just this random guy who has a similar name, how'd they find it?
1: Rebecca Hill says she had seen it on this Walterboro group and that maybe the post had been removed and maybe... And trying to find that post, maybe they searched for the name and found it. I I don't know. And also
0: remember at the presser that our Putin and Griffin had, they talked about the actual real ex husband of the egg lady juror and how they had gone through all of his posts and all of his email, they had gone through all his stuff and there was nothing.
1: Yeah, he agreed, and I believe there's an affidavit submitted uh with their motion that says, here's all of my information. I've never made any yeah. sort of pace, post right. like that.
0: But but again, the Facebook post might not have had anything to do with her getting booted. That That's going to be up for debate, right? Right. Take a little break and uh, get you ready for some traveling you've got coming up, some international trip where you want to be able to at least get around, right? So you want to learn the language of the country that you're going to. You want to experience it with a little bit of knowledge going in. And you can get a lot of bit of knowledge when you use Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop. It can also be used as an app on your phone or tablet. And Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion. It's instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words, you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals. You read stories, you participate in dialogues, so you are ready to go. It's the most trusted, time-tested app out there they've been the expert in language learning for 30 years buy rosetta stone now and you never have to pay a renewal fee don't put off learning that language there's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time impact of influence listeners can get rosetta stone's lifetime membership for 40 percent off that's 40 percent off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life Redeem your 40% off at rosettastone.com backslash today. Let's talk about one of our sponsors. It is Factor. You can eat stress-free this spring with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals.
1: Every fresh meal is never frozen and is chef-crafted, dietitian approved uh, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, and they are ready in just two minutes. Where
0: did you have chili the other day? Delicious. And if you want gourmet meals, you can try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, asparagus. So head to factormeals.com slash impact fifty and use code impact fifty five oh to get fifty percent off your first box plus twenty percent off your next box.
1: That codes impact fifty at factormeals.com slash impact fifty to get fifty percent off your first box and twenty percent off your your next box while your subscription is active impact 50 at factormeals.com slash impact 50 to get 50% off your first box and 20% off your next box while your subscription is active my name is bill huffman
2: and i am a former cleveland news producer and i am now the host of the podcast who killed i began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of amy Maholovic. And now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today, wherever you get your favorite shows. Rollercoaster prices. Supply chain glitches, political unease. They do their best to wreck my business plans. With so many unknowns, how do I know I'm making the right decisions? Aeon helps me stay on top of things. They have expert points of view on volatility from around the world, paired with local insight that helps me get back on solid ground. Better decisions. Aeon.
1: But now we have this leaked video, which was leaked to Fixed News, and this video appears to be related to the egg juror. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's refresh their memory.
0: I'm going to try to make this as clear as possible, but it's kind of a tangled web, right? Uh, she supposedly discussed the Murdoch case. She was on the jury. She has some tenants. She takes in a refrigerator, I think, right? She worked at a pizza place. At least one or two of the people, maybe both of them, also worked at the pizza place that were the tenants. So she goes and takes the refrigerator, starts yapping about the Murdoch trial. The Pizza person goes to work, and starts yapping about her yapping about it. Somehow it goes all the way, gets to hold of, uh, back to the judge, or uh, I think a, a, an email. Right? Was it an email? Right. Yes.
1: So this coworker of the tenants of the egg juror. Yeah.
0: So we're like three removed. Remember? So right. Juror talks to tenant. Tenant talks to other coworker. Coworker emails the judge.
1: And. This is apparently the reason this communication with the judge is why the egg juror was dismissed.
0: Now, after the trial, Dick Carpootlian uh went to the, the coworker who sent the email and find out what's the deal. Uh, why did you send this email? What just question her and figure out what's going on. And Fitz News got this leak thing, and this is a short clip from that. And by the way, this was the coworker secretly videoing her puttly and talking to her? I believe right? so. Okay. I had an email to the judge.
2: Um, who did, I, who,
0: did you call somebody? And you talk to somebody? I
2: talked to a friend of mine and I told her what was going on. She listened to her because she's my sister. I'm actually the best friends for 20 plus years old. So. Um, she told me that you know, the best thing to do is maybe look and see if you can get Judge Schumann's email and maybe email him.
0: Did you ever talk to the court to court, Becky? Um, no, I did not. Did you talk to any sweat agents? anybody interview you? No,
2: nobody saw me either. So
0: that email was just a result. You sent it. Nobody told you to send it. That was your idea to send it? Yes,
2: nobody told me to send it. Nobody. Um, I didn't even know. You know, she just broke it up. And she said, maybe you will get it. Maybe you won't. You know, I just felt like... Where'd you get the email from? Oh, you can look it up. I can't remember how I found it, but I got it.
1: Okay, so my first takeaway is Dick Harputlin is not buying that this person decided to contact the judge on their own accord. Well,
0: yes, that's a, that's why he's asking how because you just don't know how do you know Judge Newman's email right?
1: Right. I mean, you wouldn't think. I don't know. Can You just look you know, it
0: up. I don't know.
1: You hear this conversation amongst your coworker, and you immediately think, "I need to contact the judge." He's he's he seems to be questioning that.
0: And how much had the egg jurors said? That would alert somebody twice removed to contact the judge, right? Sounds as Dick is saying, okay, did, was somebody, did somebody approach you and ask you if you heard anything? That's what he's kind of sounds like. He's, uh, implying.
1: he's asking that. He asked if this person if they ever had spoken to Becky Hill, and they say no. Uh, but I also found it really interesting that in this conversation, this person has asked if they were ever contacted by law enforcement or court officials. Nope. No. And they say, if you listen to the full clip on Fitz, they say, Did you provide the name of the juror? And they say, No. So if this person was never contacted by any sort of court official or sled, how did they know? It was her. It was her.
0: And by the way, Philip Barber, the other Murdoch attorney, is there. Yes, because you can't, you would think that you can't just some random email shows up that says a juror is saying things and just go, okay, right? You wouldn't just automatically accept it. I wouldn't think, but I I don't know. But if you just get a random, because anybody could just say anything and send it to a judge and say, hey, so-and-so is talking. Wouldn't you want to check it out more?
1: I mean, I know earlier on in the hearing, there was a communication sent to Judge Newman and the jury was taken out and it was about some sort of leak of confidential juror information and they discussed it, and everything was fine. And the juror came back in, so I guess Judge Newman was reading his emails. But still, yeah. it still seems weird because that the that this juror's name was not mentioned, and how did the court n- know or Judge Newman know that it was the egg juror?
0: Okay, how about this possibility? Let's run this one by you. The person who sent it says, "I work at the pizza place," and then he just puts two and two together. Who else works at a pizza place? Right. Maybe something like that.
1: Or in. I mean, it's a the, small
0: town too. remember. It is a small you, town. You know somebody's name. You just go, hey, does anybody know her? Who does she work with? Where blah, blah, blah.
1: And in the interview in its entirety, they kind of asked the juror about how they think that the judge knew. And they said, well, maybe they knew that this juror owned rental properties or I, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Could like just basic clues that could track down which person it was. Fitz News is saying, you know, one of the things they mentioned, which is a good point, that it does appear that maybe Egg Lady was saying things, which could help the prosecution.
1: Yeah. No, it corroborates right. the, the, yeah. that that story.
0: It's just weird that you wouldn't check it out. Like, it feels like to me, if you don't check it out, then anybody could say anything and send an email to somebody.
1: Well- make it up. And if Dick Harpillian shows up your doorstep, you might be a little intimidated. I mean, he's got his glasses on. If you watch the YouTube video and- I'm wondering if this person knew that Dick Carpentland was going to show up at the doorstep.
0: And that's why they had the, they were taping it, filming it.
1: I, I don't know. Is someone
0: going to be there too? So they set it up or something? I don't know.
1: If the angle is looks like it's being held down and kind of an upward angle, like someone facing.
0: sat on a porch or something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, and I don't know whose side that helps more. That whole interaction, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I I don't know either.
0: Okay. What's up next, Seton? Where do you want to go next? Corey Fleming?
1: Yes. Let's talk about Corey Fleming's. There was a lot of confusion on social media about the amount of time Corey was sentenced to. A lot of people thought it was 20 years. And then Drew Tripp with ABC News 4, Charleston, uh, did kind of a deep dive and concluded that Corey Fleming was sentenced to 10 years, but he could get off as early as eight and a half years. And I've uh, separately confirm that that is accurate. Now, the first part of his sentence will be served in federal prison, and the remaining months will be in state prison. Um, and because he was charged with money laundering, he is required to serve 85% of his time mm. in for his state sentence. And I think a lot of his state sentence was because of the Hakeem Pinckney charges, because if you recall, Hakeem Pinckney statute of limitations had run for the federal charges. So he was only charged in relation to the Satterfield case okay. in the federal court.
0: So, so is it is that going to be bottom line is 10 year sentence, eight and a half.
1: That is. And what I think the biggest takeaway here is, he is going to be spending a pretty significant amount of time in state prison after he serves his federal time. And because of that, he's probably going to want to maximize the amount of time he spends in federal prison so that he spends less time in state prison. So because of that, he's probably not going to want to participate in programs like RDAP that we spoke about in a previous episode, uh, which could reduce his amount of federal Federal time. time. Because he's probably going to want to maximize the amount of time he spends in federal prison.
0: He doesn't want to do anything to shorten that. I get it. I get it. I get it.
1: There's some questions. You know, did he get more time because of his relationship with Alec Murdoch? And because he's a lawyer,
0: well, when you hear Judge Newman speak about it, it does appear that he's hammering him because of his because of the fact he was a lawyer and because of his connection to Alec. That's why you know the, it seemed like he was really he, you know hammering him because of that.
1: Right, and I'm not really seeing a lot of other cases uh, with similar amounts of money stolen. There's this Richard Breibart case from Lexington. He stole. Over two point four million dollars, and he received five years of federal time. Wow. Um, and what
0: well, Corey didn't, by the way, did not take nearly that much.
1: No, you no, know,
0: he didn't. He didn't even take in the millions.
1: No, and and I mean, just word on the street that this is more than what most attorneys
0: similar type offenses, right? Yeah. So uh, Fleming, uh, at the sentencing, said, "I have a profound and deep disappointment in myself. It is very difficult." and the constant feeling I will carry with me for the rest of my life.
1: And let's talk about what Newman said. He says that he had to suffer the consequences for his actions, for what he'd done to vulnerable people. And he says, this is unprecedented and unimaginable. This I think is the greatest crime for lawyers in the history of the state wow. of South Carolina. Woo. Pretty heavy. Yeah. I wonder if Corey is regretting, um, uh, maybe playing for all this.
0: Well, I don't know. I think that, uh, Judge Newman is very outraged by, I think, the type of people that they ripped off too, right? So I don't know who the brightbird, you know, the brightbird guy, I don't know who he was ripping off, but uh, Alec and Corey Fleming were taking advantage of very vulnerable people.
1: Absolutely. I mean, in particular, the Hakeem Pinckney case, uh, taking advantage of a deaf man who became a quadriplegic seems particularly bad.
0: All right, Alec Murdoch, he pled guilty. Federal charges, and there were a bunch of them. Here's a few. One count of conspiracy to commit wire and bank fraud, a max of 30 years. Count of bank fraud, max 30 years. Five counts of wire fraud. Different amount of times for each one, but adds up to like 30 years. One count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud, there's 20 years. 14 counts of money laundering, 20 years. And this is contingent upon the defendant abiding by federal and state laws. And what else,
1: Seton? The defendant agrees to be fully truthful and forthright with law enforcement and providing full, complete, and truthful information about all criminal activities which he has knowledge. Um, He'll also be required to testify if necessary. And in this agreement, he has to submit to polygraph examinations if requested by the government.
0: And any violation will void the agreement. I didn't know. I, that seems weird to me that the polygraph thing is in there, but you checked for some attorneys?
1: I checked, and I guess that is a pretty standard thing to put in. I know it made the rounds on social media. I think Eric Bland said that uh, maybe a polygraph machine might blow up, and that could be true.
0: Uh, it's not admissible in court polygraph, but yet it's a court ordered polygraph. That's in, That seems counterintuitive to what the whole thing is. You can't even use it in court, but if the court's telling you, you have to do it.
1: Yeah, I don't Weird. know. I guess all of these things could make his plea agreement null and void. Now I
0: wonder if you know they says they have to tell him about complete and truthful information about all criminal activities about which he has knowledge. All does that mean not just the money one?
1: I believe, but I don't know. So that's Ex- drugs,
0: sure, I, murder.
1: I don't know if this is about. I think it's related to the financial crime. Just
0: to the financial crime.
1: I believe so, but don't quote me if but I have it, doesn't, it
0: wrong. You know, it doesn't matter because if he's Lies about the other stuff, <laughs> he's already he's going to be in jail the rest of his life. it Sure as heck, seems like no matter what.
1: Well, I think he would prefer to spend that in federal prison. True, true. And the next step will be a pre-sentencing report, um, which will be in approximately forty-five to sixty days. And then after that, he will be sentenced about ninety days after that. I mean, he's in state prison, so I guess his goal is probably to get to you know federal prison.
0: Just don't see how that's going to, because I would think the the double murders trumps everything else, you would think.
1: You would think, but, I mean, he is appealing that.
0: He's appealing that. absolutely right. Uh, and then Murdoch, old Alec, has the financial crime hearing. Now, that is for the state, right? Set for November in Buford in front of Judge Newman. Well, he's going to hammer him, of course.
1: Right. And, I, I mean, I do think there's legitimate questions about whether Judge Newman can be impartial of, about Alec and these financial crimes. I mean, he basically just said... Corey Fleming was the worst offender uh, for these legal crimes and financial crimes in the, the history of the state.
0: So if he thinks he's the worst, because <laughs> Alec's way worse,
1: right? And Judge Newman also told the jury after the murder trial that he thinks they got it right.
0: And so now he's going to hear Alec Murdoch's hearing. Alec pled guilty to the financial crimes in federal. But he hasn't pled in the state financial crimes, right? Yes.
1: And regardless of what you think about Alec Murdoch, I mean, clearly he seems to be a pretty despicable person. But citizens are entitled to have a judge who has not predetermined the outcome of the hearing. I mean, they're supposed to be neutral.
0: And uh, he's certainly not neutral. And I don't know if you could find a judge who is neutral. I mean, everybody's read about it. Everybody knows everything, right? Right. Yeah. But Judge Newman is particularly harsh to Alec. I mean, I and I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be harsh. I'm saying I I from what I hear, you don't hear a lot of judges really as outspoken about things.
1: Oh, well, yeah, and he's gone on uh media, he's gone on Good Morning America and spoken about it.
0: Yes. Uh all right. So you got that. We have a little Russell Lafitte to do before we wrap this one.
1: Yes. Uh Russell Lafitte's defense team has requested for another extension. For him to have to report to jail until September 29th, and this has been granted. In this appeal, the defense cited that they were waiting the Fourth Circuit session uh, for the request to for him to stay out of jail while this appeal is pending. Emily Limehouse is a government prosecutor, and she, interestingly enough, she did not object to this. You know, it's been almost a year since Russell Lafitte was convicted, but I don't know by this being granted by the court and also Emily Limehouse not objecting to him having this additional week. Does this mean that maybe an appeal may be granted or they're going to let him stay out on house arrest while this appeal is.
0: Maybe they just figure like she said, it's up to the court and you want to be on good standing with the court. So you just say, hey, court handle it. We're going to get this guy anyway. Eventually he's going to do his time is probably what she's thinking. Right.
1: It just makes me question whether maybe, uh, something is coming down the pipes. Oh,
0: oh! so you think thinking maybe that they don't want to put him in jail and then have an appeal go through and then put him back out again.
1: Well, it's not even the appeal. He's requesting to stay out of jail while this appeal yeah. is forthcoming.
0: Right, right, right. So uh, anyway, Russell Lafitte, by the way, the banker, the banker buddy of Alec in this thing. And Corey Fleming mentioned earlier is the attorney buddy.
1: And he has received his assignment for from the Federal Bureau of Prisons. And instead of just up sub- Uh, Correctional Institute, which Judge Gergel recommended, the Federal Bureau of Prisons has said he needs to go to Coleman, which is in central Florida. So this is a little bit further travel for his family.
0: Speaking of travel, we couldn't travel to CrimeCon because both of our kids are freshmen at USC, South Carolina.
1: Go Gamecocks.
0: And it is Parents Weekend. So kids, jeez.
1: I really want to be at CrimeCon though. Too. I mean, I want to. Of course, I'd rather be at parents no, weekend I with my kid. But I, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but CrimeCon is going to be so good because you have Creighton Waters is going to be there. His band's performing. Uh, Kenneth Kinsey's going to be there. I think Dick Harputlian Jim Griffin, Sarah Zari, Joe
0: McCullough. J-
1: oh, is he going to be there yep, too? Yep. Oh, I want to be a fly on the wall.
0: I said, I said, Joe, the, the people are going to love your the Silver Fox. And he said, uh, "I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a tin foil hat on top of it for all these people who think there's conspiracies going on."
1: <laughs> well, I wish that we could be there.
0: I know a, you all miss us,
1: and it's a great way to grow your podcast. So I'm kind of disappointed for Let's
0: us. Tell our kids to leap off. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> well, you know, it's only a short little drive down to Orlando, uh, and you know, the thing is, all those people owe us at least a drink or a dinner too. So that's what we really messed up. <laughs> but we'll have stories from. Parents' weekend, because I'm staying at seaton's place.
1: No, don't say that. People are going to start thinking we're having some no. sort of relationship. No, you can't say that. with Seton and her husband, Len. <laughs> her husband,
0: Len, is a good friend of mine, too, people. Get oh, your head out of the so gutter. Bad.
1: No, you have to pretend that you have to pretend that you can't say that. <laughs>
0: I think it's funny how we screamed. At, <laughs> no, That's funny, don't you think, Dwayne? What? <laughs> That's great. You Uh know, there's no relationship. (laughs) Well, I mean, friends. Uh, And and in fact, I think Seton's telling me, would you tell me you have to sleep in a closet or something?
1: We call it the situation room. We own a condo across from the stadium with another couple. And we take the bedrooms and there's this weird room right off of the kitchen that doesn't have any windows or ventilation. That's
0: where I am. (laughs) Well, I kind of invited myself. So I'll be in the situation room. I'll probably be passed out, late game and all that. Um, but uh, anyway, always appreciate that. And uh, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll have some stories to tell after the weekend, or maybe we'll have to mutual bribery. We'll have to have your husband on to tell the real stories of Seton Tucker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he has some. <laughs>
0: all right. Uh, check it out the Impact of Influence on the uh, Facebook page thingy. And we will talk soon, friend.
2: It seems more and more high-stakes decisions are ending up in my hands. While I love the challenge, I worry some decisions might not get the attention they deserve. Working with Aeon means I've got their whole team in my corner, with advanced analytics and expert insights that put things in the right context. It's the gut check I need to stay on top of it all. Better decisions. Aeon. You